This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior JU Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, and today joined, as always, by co-host and director of JU Israel, Alan Goldman. How are you, Alan? Doing well, Mike. How are you doing? All right. Well, we haven't really talked about current events over the last month, and there have been many current events, but we... We used pre-recorded episodes while you were away. I don't think the listeners really care. But it is time for a sort of where are we? We're now a little over a month ahead of the new elections. Yeah. And tomorrow the lists are due. It's Wednesday, the 31st of July. And tomorrow the new lists are due. If you remember from last elections, that every party has to put in their list of 120 um, parliament uh, candidates um, before I guess it's six weeks before the election or so, um, so that people who know who they're voting for. So that's going to be tomorrow at midnight. So, we'll, and just to, as a quick, very quick refresh, I, everyone's exhausted by these elections. I think it's fair to say. It's also it's also summer. It's summertime, so you know, so people are exhausted, and there's summer, and they don't, really, you know, so yeah. I mean, I've even noticed that sites that up, like the foreign ministry hasn't updated about the new elections. It's still on, and many of these like sort of educational sites, but the foreign ministry hasn't, as far as this recording, hasn't created a new. It still has the April elections on its website. It doesn't have the September because I just feel like everyone's just like, yes, it's the summer, but there's also this feeling of like, ugh. It would be like if, I don't know, like two weeks after the Super Bowl, you have like another Super Bowl. If you said, oh, that uh, something happened that was, uh, you know, someone played with the footballs like, you know, illegally and we have to redo the Super Bowl. Like it would just be hard to get up the enthusiasm for it. Or if like. Yeah, the turnaround. Israel's never had a turnaround like this before. No, and it's exhausting. It would be like if Avengers Infinity War came out and then a month later was Endgame. You wouldn't have enough excitement. All right. That was for the not sports listeners like me. But uh, the analogy is that's where we are. But it is time already. A little over, you know, September 17th is the election. We're about to enter August or August, as we call it here. So it's time to start paying attention to what's going on. And a lot has gone on. And we just sort of want to give a little sense, a little deeper than what you see in the headlines. And it's been pretty dramatic. I mean, if this had been for the April elections, we'd be not hair on fire, but we'd be like, you know, as politics nerds, we'd be super excited about it. And as teachers, we would feel the need to explain it. And that's where we are now. Yeah, I think it's because, I mean, that's the, I think the positive thing that's come out of this double election, let's call it, you know, back to back, double header or whatever, is that um, there's like real serious thought going into how to maximize the voting potential. Um, and that means like new coalitions, new um, pe- people want to make sure to um, like do the best they can, really. Well, they're using this do-over opportunity. It previous in the in the April election, you ended up with two really large parties with thirty-five seats, and a bunch of little parties with all under ten seats. And so now they're sort of trying to reconfigure so that the two big parties have challengers from the left and the right. And so you're having these mega coalitions on the left and mega coalitions on the right. Um, some of which make strange bedfellows. Some of it actually makes a lot of sense. So do you want to start on the left or the right? 
Well, right. And it's also, I think, that the, the push is also because of the parties that either only barely passed the threshold and those parties that didn't pass the threshold uh, either by a little bit or even by more than a little bit. So it, it's pushing those little parties to gain up with other parties so that make sure that they pass the threshold. With You know, if you have two parties that, like you said, are similar but have differences, so they've now combined so that they can try and maximize their voting potential, um, which is really what we see in the Haredi world. For It's actually the... The Haredi world have been doing it for many years, where you had, um, you know, two different parties. One of the Ashkenazi side of the Haredi world. The Sephardi side has been pretty stable. Right, exactly. The Ashkenazi side, which is the right, where you have what we call the Lithuanians and the Hasidim, joined up maybe over ten years ago to form one party, which we call um, Yadut Torah. Um, UTJ yeah, UTJ and uh, so now you're seeing that with the other small parties and it's worked, worked very well for the Haredim um, because they've you know they've keep growing the, those numbers um, again they're a small party in and of themselves but that's it's true but they, they're, they're, they're off their peak they're now going to probably stably be between like 6 and 8 or 9 they're not they're, they've been bumping around in polls somewhere around 7 or 8 so, which is what they were in April. So, their situation probably won't change so much. Yeah, no, they won't change. But I'm saying, in terms of their in the last ten years, fifteen years, they're, they're, they've they, this coalition has worked very well for them. Yeah, coalitions work in politics. I mean, Likud originally was a coalition. Labor was originally back. I mean, you really want to go back? Those were originally formed out of smaller parties, and they became bigger parties. So, we're seeing that happen again. In the previous election, we saw the splitting. There were what thirty-seven parties running, and now there's forty-seven. 47. And, and now there are? I, uh, like, uh, well, the, I guess we'll know finally tomorrow, when someone, but somewhere in the high 20s. So, so they're, they're, they, they've taken April, the lessons of April, which is if you don't coalesce into a bigger unit, you're going to end up having less relevance. And so now, first of all, so you now let's talk about these new party structures. Left or right, where are we starting? And the Haredim don't fit on either side of left or right. They're their own little unit. Do we want to talk about the coalitions on the left or the right? Um, well, I guess let's... It seems like the one on the left is pretty solidified at this point, so let's start with them. Well, there's two, really, that formed on the left. One of them formed around uh, labor, and one of them formed combining merits with the new Barak party whatever new party this is. Democratic, the Democratic Party, I think they're calling it. Democratic Israel, they're going with that name? Uh, I think Democratic Party or something. Uh, the Democracy Party or something like that. Um, but the, the idea is, um, yeah, it's on, on the left there. Now, why are there two left coalitions instead of one? La- there's Labor and Gesher, which really isn't, I mean, that's really, Gesher didn't pass the threshold in the last election, so they got zero Knesset seats. So them joining labor, it's not clear how that benefits labor. You can see how it would benefit Gesher. Okay, so who is the Gesher party, who leads the Gesher party, and why are they joining with labor? So again, they are more of a right a social uh, party that seem more, again, centrist, rightist, really, but the idea is to bring together different aspects of Israeli society. That's why it's called Gesher, which means bridge. They're trying to bridge the differences in society. Right, um, exactly. So Orly Levi Abkesis, is the head of that party. And after the big hit that Labor took in the last election in April, 
So um, Amir Peretz has retaken the helm of the of the Labour Party. And I think that this is, you asked the question, what did they get out of this? This is the key. He was the leader of the party before. He's the leader of the party again. Um, and he was seriously challenged by Stav Shafir, who was part, you could say, of the new, the new Labour left, who had come into the party a few years back over, you know, demonstrations over the rise of uh, inflation of products and housing in Tel Aviv and things like young, urban, um, liberal, very, very liberal. And uh, she lost that. She's now left. We'll talk about that in a second. She's gone to this new merits Democratic Party that's, that's combining. Um, and I think Amir Peretz, uh, after seeing also, like, is trying to leave the party more into the centrist camp again, right? Which is where it was in the la- in election before April, with election almost four years ago now, when Isaac Herzog, who's to the head today, the head of the Jewish agency, was the head of the... Uh, uh, of the Labour Party uh, really was much more of a centrist and Labour got 20 some seats I think 25 seats or even you know more um, and was a serious challenger to Netanyahu even though they didn't they didn't complete they didn't win but it, it was a serious opposition serious party as Labour always has been and I think Amir Peretz is probably trying to move it back into that centrist camp because he, he knows that like uh, centrist is what is what gets the votes you know, Kocholavan, the blue and white party, is a centrist party, and they, you know, were serious challengers. You know, seventy out of twenty, yeah. seventy out of one hundred and twenty seats went to the two centrist parties, Likud and Blue and White. Right. Exactly, right? One centrist left, one centrist, or whatever, or two whole centers. So I think that that's probably why Amir Peretz is going in that way and does not want to go with that left. Um, at least as of today, who knows what will happen tomorrow? Because centrist is what is what is where people people are voting really. Um, and Amir Peretz, remember where he's from? He's from Shterot, mm-hmm. and in Shterot, they vote for Likud. <laughs> you know, right? Well, yeah. there, there's him joining. I mean, the head of Gesher is a Mizrahi Jew. The head of labor is a Mizrahi Jew, and they may be trying to break into Mizrahi Jews tend to vote. Likud, or in many cases, Shas, whether they're Haredi or not, because they feel like that has a Mizrahi flavor. So here's an attempt to sort of reconquer them, I think. Yeah. I, I don't think that's necessarily why they're in charge, but I do think they're trying to make that inroad. Yeah, and in general, Mizrahi is as, you know, if you could say they are shaping, but are voting centrist. I think most people in the country vote, I mean, they do vote centrist. So um, that that is my guess why, uh, why he is going that route and trying to distance himself from the more leftist even though by the way the the one who just blew the elections in april also was a mizrahi jew who was trying to bring him to the center more but yeah very much so. um and and okay so now but but, amir, but i would say amir Peretz is a much more seasoned politician he's been in politics his whole life i mean it's funny because he was the young turk when he previously ran labor he was the new generation now he's the old guard right but but again he before that he was the head of the of the big israeli union i mean he's the you know he's been in politics for a very long time um and and he, was a and he has a great mustache. A great mustache, a former defense minister, um, which brings the other former defense ministers and prime ministers, which oh. is uh, Ehud Barak, has now entered in such a bizarre... This is the weirdest story I cannot... All I can come up with is weird theories. Ehud Barak re-entered Israeli politics after losing the prime ministership to, be, be, to, no, to the Likud in 2000. Left politics. 2001 now, to Sharon. 2001 to yeah. Sharon, I think. We're, now he's returning in 2019. He's starting a new party. He's not coming back as labor. He was the head of labor. Starts a new party. That new party merges with other parties, and he takes the 10th spot. 
in that party. The 10th spot, but it's purported that if they get into the government, he gets the first ministry. Uh, which is so weird. Now, what is this new party and who's in it? Okay, so the new combined party is called the Democratic Camp. And who's in this new combined party? So this is essentially Meretz with Ehud Barak's new party, which is Ehud Barak and, you know, a bunch of other. Also Stav Shafir who oh, left. Stav, right, Stav Shafir who left uh, Labor to join this party. She was the number two in Labor. She had lost the, to Amir Peretz the, the head of the, uh, head of, as head of the party. So she left labor, and she also did something bizarre that nobody ever does in Israeli politics. I guess she's trying to show a moral something. She also resigned her her Knesset seat in the last few days to say, okay, because usually in Israel you can leave your party and still keep your seat because once you're in, you're in. But she's resigned her seat, even though it's meaningless now because they're not in term, and I guess she doesn't get a salary. I guess that's something. Uh But someone else, so another labor candidate now comes in before whatever that's um but uh, anyway so stav shafir Ehud barak merits uh, which has also has an, a new head of the party nitsan harowitz um, which surprised me i thought she uh, she did a good job last time well tamar zandberg is not so liked i mean even if she was head of party she's not so liked and they had a runoff and she lost so right. you know um I mean, I guess she has her followers, but she also has a lot of uh, not. So, I mean... So you have these two left coalitions, the Labor-Gesher coalition, which and, 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 and Barack, who's only taking the ten, number 10 seat, is saying this is a center-left party, but it's people who left Labor joining with merit, so it looks like the you would position it to the left of Labor, theoretically, but it's sort of the same as Labor now? It's so unclear... Well, well, no. Now that, especially now that he, that I think that uh, Peretz is trying to position Labor a little more centrist, so this would still be to the left of. Labor. It's further left. Yeah, it's further left. Um, but I, I think the right is more bizarre. <laughs> All right, let's get to the United Right Wing Parties and the Right Coalition. I don't know. I don't know if it's as bizarre. Listen, my by the way, my theory on why Barack is taking the ten spot. I think he came back in all full of bluster and energy. And people started hitting at him immediately, including bringing up the photograph of him going to visit Epstein. And I think this is just my theory. I think he was like, oh, I don't want to be the head of the party anymore. I, don't, I barely want to be back in politics. Oh, oh. You're, you're, you, you are so much nicer to him than I would be. But I, those, we'll leave those theories to the, to the biographers. All right. Yeah, we'll find out, I guess, in the future. Um, okay. So that brings us to UW... URWP, United Right Wing Parties. They are made up of now. They're made up of the New Right, which was the Naftali Bennett and Ayala Chakade, who did not get into the Knesset in April. They had split off from the the Jewish Home Party, the that they had created really in their own images. They took the religious right-wing party Mafdal and turned it into Bay Yehudi, the Jewish home party, which was a more secular version of the religious right-wing party. Then the, the two of them broke off to make their own genuinely secular right-wing party, and Bay Yehudi became a religious party again. Right. Now... But you're forgetting Ihud Alumi also is in there. Right. The uh, B'Tzal al party, which is, I'm not really sure what makes them different than the old religious Zionists, other than... The writer-winger. Writer-winger, and, and and I guess they are not, have, they don't have secular people in there, or they do? I don't know. Hey, once you get that fringy... Yeah. So now, so now uh, Ayala Chaked has switched places 
with Naftali Bennett. She's number one and he's number two. Their party didn't make it into Knesset. They agreed to join URWP, the United Writing Parties, and she's the head of that, she's the number one spot in that party. And all the leader, all the other people now go down the numbers from there. So the people who didn't make it into the government now run the new right-wing coalition, which I guess is religious-ish, but not... I mean, if Ayelacha kid's in charge, there was a whole brouhaha where different rabbis said, we don't want Ayelacha kid in the number one spot because she's not, she's not personally, doesn't consider herself orthodox. So here you have this non-orthodox woman running this. Yeah, I think she decides herself as secular, yeah. even though, right, um, in the old Israeli secular sense where they do a lot more than, like, you know, in terms of their rituals or religious tradition often um, than what we would think America, right? So, so... Peretz and Smotrich brought their religious parties under her aegis, and she's not orthodox. Yeah, and so it's very, I mean, but what's more bizarre is that, again, they were, they'd left the, they'd left the, those parties to create a new party. That party didn't get in, but now they are now the head of all the, it's like, it's crazy meandering. I mean, the general wisdom, but I, I don't know if this is really backed up in, in polls, you're much more of the poll person, but the but it certainly was didn't happen in the last election. But the general wisdom is that like Ayel Chakaid is the is the big draw, is the big voter draw. But I, I don't know. Well, their numbers are bumping up now. Their their poll numbers have bumped up since they've announced this. I think Israelis like coalition. They like when the mini parties put their differences aside and get together. Um, and their numbers for now, after, th- there's always a bump after these announcements where people are very interested. We'll see what happens by September. But, it, but in terms of the news cycle of this week, um, all of these coalitions give bumps. And the bumps generally, the numbers generally come from Likud and Blue and White, whose numbers dip a little when these numbers come out. So their, their duopoly of the two big parties has shrunk, and these big coalitions are building draws. You also have to the right of URWP, you have like the two, we'll see what happens with them. You think they're going to, the two, the two writer wing, like I would say extremist right wing. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah. I would be even less politically correct than that. What would you say? I'd say fascist. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's fat. I don't know if you can have a, a mini fascist party. I don't like that word. I don't find it helpful. You know, Mussolini was a fascist. He created a one-party system. So Hitler was a fascist. He had a one-party system. When you have a, a small party... Yeah, but they... I mean, again, we don't have to go into the weeds, of, but they both started out as small parties that wanted a one-party system. I think they want one-party systems. They, they clearly want the king of Israel, and they want, you know, yeah. that's their vision, so... Yeah, so yeah, so I think they would be fascist. They want to be fascist. That's what I would call them. But that's just me being pedantic. They're philosophically fascist without actually being functionally fascist. But these two, <laughs> we're really in the weeds now. These two little extreme right-wing religious parties, one, Otsma stands more for uh, anti-Arab, you know, taking away the rights of Arab citizens and such. And the other one, what's the other one called? Noam. Which means pleasant who they're a social conservative party that are trying to fight against uh, the rights of the LGBT community in Israel, who overall, especially when you're looking at Israel in the Middle East, uh, it's a, it's a, Israel's a pretty uh, comfortable LGBTQ 
country, and they're trying to fight against that. So these two extremist right-wing parties are now kind of joining together. Will they join? There's effort for them to join URWP to coalesce those votes also, but they have certain principal objections to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, right now also the, the Ayala Chakade was not um, sort of, uh, giving them the the seat that they really wanted. It's Otsma. Uh, Noam seems to be dropping out of the of the talk, but it's the Otsma Yudit, which is this guy Ben Gvir. Um, they want a fifth seat and an eighth seat um, in the Knesset if they get in. So the the holdouts know they only want to promise them the eighth seat. That's the last I heard. So it doesn't seem to be ideological. It's all over, you know, what you can or can't get. Um, the reason why there's a lot of pressure, specifically, again, coming from Netanyahu. Netanyahu is, you always have to understand one thing about Israeli politics, uh, certainly on the right wing, is Netanyahu, Netanyahu whether it be on the, the moderate right, the centrist right, the very far right, is the guy behind playing the political deals and tricks. He's putting a lot of pressure on um, on the new coalition of the right wing, you, WRP or whatever it's called, to to um, include the Otsma. And the whole reason, again, is back to Israel's system, which we have to understand, is based on the number of votes. And if the party Otsma gets X amount of votes and they don't get into the, into the Knesset, those votes are lost, and then it redistributes the entire... Um, percentages of the Knesset. So ultimately, Netanyahu wants to win where he lost last time. Where did he lose? He lose because he couldn't form the government. What do you mean he lost? If he had, he was, he had 35 seats, which means he tied with black, blue and white, and then the president gave him the right to form a government. So in what way are you saying he lost? I think many Americans think he won that election. Yeah, because the winning the election means forming government, and he was not able to form a government. You can loosely, you know, and uh, make an analogy to the American um, system, where in the last election Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but she lost the election because. Donald Trump is president. So the same thing here. He did not become prime minister in a new government. He's he was given the opportunity, but he couldn't do it. So essentially, nobody won the last election in April. Correct. And therefore, that's why Netanyahu decided to dissolve the Knesset to try and go again to get a better makeup so he can become prime minister. Now, he wants to form a right-wing coalition so he doesn't have to work with the other centrist party, Blue and White. Right. And he's trying to create a group that will protect him from right. pros yeah. prosecution. Yeah. I, I don't see how that's going to, first of all, Yisrael Beitenu, which... Well, that, well that's, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Again, we're, we're, neither of us are math guys, so we're like social scientist guys trying to display math. Yeah, but when you're breaking up 120, the math's not that hard. No, but the percentages, all the percentages change. So what, what he's trying to do is what happens is if you have a party like Oltzma and they get a certain amount of votes, but they don't get over the threshold, they lose those votes, so that can actually directly affect, you could say Yisrael Beitenu, Avigdor Lieberman's party that brought basically the government down both times. It brought the government down in April. I mean, before that, they bring elections to April and then didn't join the government. But if that, if there's just a one change in seats, right, where where the Otsma brings one more seat and they get to a coalition of 61, and Israel Beitenu only ends up with four seats, that would that there would be a government that changes the whole spectrum. Correct. So. But all those projections are based on a lot of what ifs. And so far, based on polling, if you look at Israel Beitenu, their numbers are way up from what they were before. Right. So he's polling, I think, over 10 
around 10, meaning his number went up. So they're going to need him more than ever for a coalition, which means that based on what we've seen so far, nothing in September will work out differently than it worked out in April. BB will have to, BB cannot make a right-wing coalition and blue and white will not be able to make a left-wing center coalition. Neither side seems to, at this point, if you crunch the numbers, neither we will we will end up exactly where we were in April. Yes, uh, no, I mean, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But we do remember that the the polls uh, are shaky. Remember, even the polls in the last election were way off in terms of labor and the others. I don't remember all the numbers. One hundred percent. We this is we from now. I said it's not a long time in terms of human life. In terms of election results september 17th is a long time from now and a lot of things can change and will but as things look now and bb's the magician who can make things happen that nobody predicted as things look now we're we're heading based on the polling so far we are heading towards for to the same stalemate but it's right but exactly but what what bb's trying to do on the right that's what he's trying to make the biggest coalition he can make on the right he sees is going to be best for him because that will counter Avigdor Lieberman, hopefully, or at least push Avigdor Lieberman to think differently, maybe. Um, the, the more votes he can get to the right of him, Netanyahu sees that as part of his votes in the end of the day, really. Um, I will also say that I think he's successful at normalizing Otsma and Noam as two normal parties, just part of the right-wing bloc that you wheel and deal with when they used to be sort of pariah parties. Uh, until the last election cycle, so he's, you know, he's brought homophobia and racism into not the Israeli center certainly, but into the acceptable far right fringe, you know, fringe of politics. Well, right, acceptable discourse, yeah. um, at least you know, in terms of partying, in terms of politics. I think it's a trend. Unfortunately, we see across the world. It's not. It's no different than we see in America or Europe or. Um, in many places that have launched on to this far-right extremist um, uh, anti-talk. It really is anti-talk and tribalism. Um, and he sees that it's worked around the globe and, you know, pushing it here too, unfortunately. Yeah, very unfortunately. Although here the center has the strength as opposed to other countries where the fringes are sort of gobbling away and eroding the middle. Here so far, the middle, the center has held, and the strong, the strongest, the 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 leverage point in Israeli politics is still the center. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, yes, but there's a lot of question marks on that, like the nation-state law that was passed last summer. Um, uh, there's a question on that, like the the what's going on within the Justice Department. Um, and how that's going to hold it. Those are tipping points. I think that at least certainly that's what the either center and center and left are, are concerned about. A hundred percent. I don't think, I don't think we, we, I think the fact that we so far have resisted some of the global trend of the battle between the extremes. I just think I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, Oh, we can relax now, but I am trying to look at the glasses half full that so far, although there are warning signs, Israel has not tipped into the battle of the extremes like so many democracies have. True. I mean, I think uh, it, one of the, you know, one of the ways that this can also be, I think, in terms of the, the, the Haredim come into a, an important part in this play right here. 
um, because again, as they they bring the numbers in, they they will put one side over the other. Because as you said earlier, the Kareem are not really in this left right. Um, uh, paradigm. They're their own paradigm. And they used to be willing to work with the left, but now they're only willing to work with the right because the left wants to change the status quo in terms of the draft and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So that that's a paradigm that really has to be, be thought of because it can really, uh, really affect Israeli politics um, in terms of forming that government. Because again, if you play by the numbers to get to 61, there's no way anybody can get to 61 without the Haredim. So I just want to kind of bring that up again. Like you need the Haredim in there. There's, it's just not going to happen unless, unless the, uh, the unpredictable, of course, in Israeli box would happen, which is you have the center really coming together, Likud and the blue and white and maybe, you know, labor, There's only one way that's going to happen, I think. I'm not a prophet, but there's probably, if you change one factor, you could have a Likud, blue and white, union of 70 seats, no problem. Let me guess. Uh, Netanyahu steps aside. That's the only way. And so right now, this unmanageable status quo, look, it's not for nothing. And and I, I don't say this to the credit of blue and white. They, they're still running an anti-BB rather than a pro, so, you know, there's still more about, and the signs as you drive around the streets of Israel are, Netanyahu only cares about Netanyahu. Like that's their new campaign slogan. So um, I, I never particularly enjoy campaigns like that, but that's where we are. That's our sort of state of the election so far as we head into the completion of lists. We're going to obviously not focus only on the election as it comes up, but it'll come up again in future episodes. But we tried in April to, you know, February, March, to do a, a good balance of talking about the election, but also keeping our eye on other things. And we're going to try that again now in September. Yep. And uh, and I, I would like to hope that that is our major news uh, episodes are really going to have to do with elections and not other things. <laughs> God willing. So send us your questions or anything you want clarified, uh, either you know on the podcast or any other way you want to communicate. We're happy to help. Thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, This is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.